All right, before we get started this morning, <laughs> all right, Pastor Zach, our lead pastor at the Tiffin Campus, forgot something this morning, all right? Apparently, he's not used to doing the hard job like I do every week, all right, of taking the offering, all right? When he was up here, he completely forgot to take the offering, all right? So you guys know he rips on me all the time, so we got to rip on him, right? So, uh, but hey, let's, let's do this. Let's go ahead. We're going to take the offering now since he forgot that. And so if you want to give, go ahead, flip your lights on, and our usher is going to make the way around the parking lot, um, and they'll come to your door. You can drop your offering in. Make sure you shut your lights off uh, after they come around. So uh, and a lot of you guys have switched to giving online, which has been just a huge blessing, a huge help. Uh, so we can, again, we can continue to meet as a church together here at the Tiffin Drive-In. And quick question, you guys honk, just let me know. You guys, have you guys enjoyed coming to Tiffin Drive-In? Okay, awesome, awesome. See some of our ushers closing their ears there, all right, appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, it's been an awesome, awesome time. We got one more week next week, like Zach said, make sure you come back for that last Tiffin Drive-In and looking forward to meeting together. I know a lot of you guys are, been talking with you guys and uh, be a good time, good time. So, uh, but hey, the, the, jo- uh, the, the band did an awesome job and just killed it. They, they do every single week, they've been, you know, so, that's right. We can give him some love. Okay. Okay. There you guys go. All right. Our music tech guys just every week have been killing it, uh, whether it's nice out like today, weren't really expecting this, or whether it's been pouring rain, they've been here. So, uh, yeah, they've been doing an awesome job. And they sing that song, Is He Worthy? Yes, he is worthy. He is worthy. And so we get to talk about that this morning. And we're going to find out again from Paul of uh, the book of Philippians Really, how we can have joy because he is worthy with all that he's done, all these he's really doing in and through us uh, in our life. Uh, with the whole, the whole COVID-19 coronavirus situation going on, there's been a lot of businesses uh, that have they've made some restrictions as far as, you know, with their employees or whatever, that they wear masks and, and, you know, wearing gloves and sanitation, all these different things. Uh, but there's a store that took it a step further than everybody else, I think, and that's Menards, um, and maybe you guys have heard this. Uh, I actually I had to go get something like a week ago up at Menards. Just one thing, just wanted to run it real quick and grab it and get out. And uh, I had heard from a friend right before I left that Menards actually requiring you to wear a face mask. Anybody, anybody hear that? Okay, a few people. Awesome. All right. So if you want to go Menards, just know you got to wear a face mask. Okay. So. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I hear from a friend, hey, you, AJ, you got to wear a face mask. And I'm like, I'm, I'm driving up to Menards and Sandusky, you know, and something. Okay, you know, I don't have a face mask. I don't, I don't have one with me. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like a guy, right? I'm going to get in, get my stuff, get out. I'll be fine. You know, I'll just tell him at the, at the door, hey, I just got to grab one thing real quick. Let me get it and get out. That's all I want to do real quick. Don't, don't want to put anybody at risk, whatever. All right. And so... As I'm driving up there, uh, Marissa, she's with me, and I'm like, hey, can you look online, see what they say? And sure enough, it says on Menards, up at Sandusky, like, you cannot come in the store without a face mask. And I still think I'm good to go, okay? Now, this is, this is a moment where, I, I, as a husband, I should have been like, you're right, Marissa. I should, you know, I should have listened to her, because she's like, AJ, there's no way they're going to let you in that store. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'll be fine, whatever. So I get up there. And I pull in the parking lot, and I see this 
huge, like, eight-foot sign that's right beside the door, and, yeah, you guessed it. You know what it says. You have to have a face mask on to get in. So I still think, you know, whatever, I can get in, go up to the door, and there's this big security guard there, and he's like, yeah, there is, there's, under no circumstances, are you allowed to come into our store unless you have a face mask on? And so, yeah, I end up had a, I think they sell them for like a dollar or whatever, had to get one, all right, and uh, got my stuff and got out. Now, the moral of that whole entire story is this, is Menards, and I, and I knew this going into that store, they overstated really what they wanted everybody to know. Like, they overcommunicated that everyone in the store, employees, customers, everybody has to have a mask on, right? And uh, whether you take that as negative or positive, we're not going to talk about that right now, all right? What we are going to do is we're going to relate that to what Paul says. He says something similar in the book of Philippians, and we've talked about it a lot. Uh, he's telling them really something that everybody should want. I mean, this shouldn't be positive or negative. This should definitely be positive news. We can take this, and we can listen to what he says. He's overstating or over-communicating how we can have joy as believers, He's trying to tell not just how we can, but also the church at Philippi and other Christians throughout the ages. You see, in fact, a really joy, it's really a mark of a mature believer. Galatians 5.22 actually tells us that it is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It is, the, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit, and it is given to us when we put our faith in Jesus. So, I mean, we should naturally have joy, but it's a struggle for us now, if we're honest. With everything that's going on in the world, it's harder now for us to be joyful than probably what it ever has been. We're going to see how we can have joy today. And, and Paul talks about these two things. We'll, we'll unpack them. He says, by casting off anxiety and thinking on what is right. All right, so real quick, before we jump in this, are we good? Let me know. Are we good? Okay. All right. All right. So we continue our series, Isolated But Not Alone, where we've been learning from Paul how we can choose to live for God, regardless of what situation we're in. We've been talking about that. We're going to jump right back into it. First week, we talked about how Paul, he really wanted us to get to focus on the bigger picture of why we're here right now. Like, Paul's saying, hey, I'm in prison. I'm chained to these guards. You know, I'm getting beat. All these things are happening, but... It's all good because the gospel is getting advanced from this prison. We talked about how we have to focus on the bigger picture of Christianity. Then Zach talked a few weeks ago about how we as believers were created uh, with really to have community with other Christians, even in isolation, how we're supposed to have that. Then last week, Paul, he reminded us uh, not to look at our past achievements, not to look even at our, our, our past failures or our mistakes, but to press forward to the prize of being with Jesus for all eternity and doing whatever we can as Christians to get the message of the hope of Jesus out. And today, we're going to focus back again on how to pursue joy, even in the mix of a world that's filled with anxiety and what to focus on. Paul, he starts by reminding the church because of their salvation, because of our salvation, he reminds, uh, in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he, he gives all these reminders, and he comes to chapter 4, and he says this, hey, because of what I've just said and what I've reminded you of, he says to stand firm. 
And so if you guys have got that church center app, you can actually pull it out and pull up the message, the verses for today. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1, and then verses 4 to 9. And so we're going to go ahead, we're going to read that first verse, Philippians 4, 1. Check out what it says. This is Paul. He says, so then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy, and check this out, and crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul, he uses some interesting wording in this verse. He says, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters. See, we've talked about where Paul is. We get that. He's in a prison. Don't need to talk about that anymore. His heart, it's in pain because he longs to be with these people that he probably led to Christ. I mean, he was probably a big influential, pact, influential factor in them coming into a relationship with Jesus. And he wants to be with them. He wants to fellowship one, with them. He wants to meet with them. His heart is in pain because he can't. But he understands this, that even where he's at, that in spite of that, God is still using him and using him even more to write all different books of the New Testament, like Philippians, that not only help the church of Philippi, but it's helping us all the way up until this modern day. He's saying, guys, he's saying, I miss you. You're my joy in life. You're my, you're, you're my crown. And it's interesting that he uses the word crown that, to reference these believers. The specific word in Greek he's referencing in it's not like a king's crown. It's actually like a laurel wreath that an athlete would receive, like a, a gold medal now. After that athlete had worked so hard, at first century they would, you know, they worked so hard and, and they maybe, you know, won whatever they were racing or competing at. They were given that laurel wreath. And Paul, he's saying, you guys, man, you are my, my just like that is the athlete's badge of accomplishment, you are my badge of accomplishment. Maybe, maybe some of you are like me and never really won anything, all right? Actually, I did, I did win, I did win in, in, in thir- uh, fourth grade. I actually won a, uh, like, an art contest, and super embarrassing to admit, like, carving a little truck out. All right, that was me. Not sure if you won anything, whatever. But Paul, he's saying, Hey, that's what you guys are. You guys, man, you guys are the badge of accomplishment. Maybe he knew that he was coming to the end of his life. He knew that he was going to be executed by Nero. He knew that was coming. He knew that finish line was, he was approaching that finish line. And he saw them as the crown that was given to him. He saw them as, again, that badge of accomplishment as he got ready to cross the finish line. He says this. He says Guys, stand firm in your relationship with God. Paul, he says, you can check out the Church Center app in in Philippians 4.4, he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. See, Paul, he reminds them, and he reminds us at Grace Community Church to pursue joy in Jesus. But have you ever stopped and, and thought, really, what exactly is joy? Like, what, what does that really mean? See, maybe we have a, a false understanding of what true joy is. See, I think most people, they live like, really, joy is just based on circumstances of life. See, but 
Paul, he tells us all throughout this book, and all that he's going through, and all that the church at Philippi is facing, he's trying to get this message across. He's trying to overstate that joy, it, it is not in any way connected to our circumstances. They're, it, they're not connected. Joy and circumstances have no connection at all. Another, another biblical writer, actually, uh, James, it's, it's several books after Philippians in the New Testament, he actually says this. He says that we should count it all joy when we go through trials, when we go through all kinds of difficulties. Philippians 4, 4, when Paul, he says rejoice, he means to, you know, another, another way we could say that is this, to express confidence in. So if we read it with that definition, take the word rejoice out, place in, express confidence in, this is how we'd read it. Express confidence in the Lord always. I will say it again. Express confidence in the Lord. Like in your life, wh wherever you are, wh you know, whatever you're doing, Paul's saying this. As a Christian, you have to express confidence in God in every single situation of life. Like every single situation of life. Moms, you're not off the bat, all right? You're, you're, you, this, this applies to you, okay? This applies to you, even though you've been maybe locked at home with your kids for the past 68 days and they're driving you crazy. Man, do your kids see that you are expressing confidence in Jesus? Do they see the joy in your face? Do they see and feel the joy that's in your heart? See, I think it's easy. It's so easy for a lot of us to express confidence in God and to praise God when everything's going good. When we get the stimulus check, right? It's easy to praise God. Oh, yeah, we're good. But what about on the difficult times? What about when it's difficult? What about when you see no end in sight? What about when you don't get that stimulus check? See, do your Facebook friends, do they see, what do they see? Do they see that you're struggling, or do they see that you are expressing confidence in God even through something like Facebook? See, we have to get that our circumstances of life have no connection to joy at all. And, we, and, and I know there's probably someone here that's thinking, hold up, hold up, hold on. Paul, he just doesn't get it, AJ. He, he does not understand what it's like to be a grown man. And to be locked at home, to, to lose your job and not be able to provide for my family, and I'm stuck inside all day, Paul doesn't understand. Paul definitely understands. I mean, Paul is inside of a prison. He can't even see his family. He can't even see his friends. He's getting beaten different times throughout his life. I mean, people hate him. But Paul, he chooses to push through his circumstances, and to pursue joy with Jesus. Verse 5, he says this, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. You know, we can somewhat, we can read over this verse, and we can't, you know, we maybe don't think about it a whole lot. But we have to get what Paul is saying. He's saying that genuine Christian joy, it's not inward focus. It's not focused on AJ. It's focused on others. See, when we pursue joy, it should be seen and experienced by others. And all because, really how he ends that verse number five, he says, because God or the Lord is near. Um, so 
I grew up in, you know, late 90s or whatever. I remember growing up and, and seeing people wear these, like, wristbands. And maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. Honk if you let me know what I'm talking about. But they said, like, WWJD on them. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay. All right, quite a few of you guys, okay. And, and I, I remember as a kid, like, in the late 90s, early 1000s, like, seeing people wear those all the time, right? And they'd have 10 of them on, on their wrist or whatever. And they'd be wearing those. And the sad thing, though, was in reality, many people that wore that wristband, they really never lived like their joy or their expressed confidence was in Jesus. Man, and Paul is telling us as believers, he's telling Philippi, hey, you need to live with expressed confidence and, and joy in your relationship with Jesus. See, a practical question we could ask ourselves is this, hey, do others see Jesus, do they see the joy for Jesus in my life? Like, do my kids see it at home? Even when I'm aggravated, you know, does, you know, people standing in the checkout line with, and there's 30 people lined up, and I'm at the very back, what do they see in our face? Do they see joy, or do they see my trash? And we have to show our express confidence in Jesus in every situation. For pursuing joy, Paul, he hits on something that really it can't coexist with joy in these next few verses, and that's anxiety. Paul, he reminds us that when anxiety hits, that as, as Christians and as believers, we have a prescription. Now, I want to throw this out real quick. The, the prescription to fix the anxiety that we face in life, it's, it's one of those things. It's, com- it's, it's actually it's completely free. There's no prerequ- prerequisite. We don't have to pay anything to get it. It's available at any moment of the day, day or night, anytime. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, check out what, he's, what it says. It says, don't worry about anything but in everything through, check this out, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, anxiety, it was a problem then just like it is now. I mean, and and we probably understand why it was then. We definitely understand the anxiety now. There's a lot of statistics that actually say that now more than ever in American history, with everything going on, Americans are, are more anxious than ever. See, the church at Philippi, They were anxious because their leader, Paul, he's not with them. The guy that they looked up to for spiritual wisdom and advice and encouragement, again, he's locked in prison. They also faced anxiety because they were being persecuted by uh, the Romans. I mean, they had a, again, we talked about this first week in Philippians, but they had a target on their back. See, these people, they faced way more stuff than what we face even with the covid 19 issue. See, verse 6, he says this. He says, hey, church, don't be anxious. But he doesn't stop there. He, he gives the prescription. He says, but do this. He says, pray. He says, bring your request to God with a thankful heart and attitude of worship. Come to God in prayer. Lay those things over to God. Give your worries to God. And, and actually, there's another verse that talks about this, and it's 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7, check out what it says. It says, casting 
all your cares on him, for he cares for you. See, the word cares in 1 Peter 5, 7 is the same definition of the word uh, worry and anxiety. Bible says to cast all that anxiety on God because he cares for us. Now, maybe cast, a better word that we would understand would be more, more like throw, just throw the entire thing on. Just, just throw it on Jesus. Take, he wants that burden. Take those anxieties and just unload them on Jesus. And the best way that I can describe this is uh, I like to go elk hunting out, out west uh, if, if I can once every couple years or so. And I've got this pack, right? And it's got literally, I, I stay there for like a week in the mountains, and it's, it's got everything from food to just all kinds of stuff in there, which means this. It's an extremely heavy pack. It's like 70 pounds. And I'm going up and down the mountains. And, you know, when I have that pack on my back, there's one thing that's going on in my mind like the entire time, and it's this. This thing is painful. Like, I want this thing to be off of my back. I can't wait till I get to sit down and take it off and take a breather for a little bit. Now, it would be absolutely crazy if I took that pack with me, I drove all the way back home, and came inside the door, and I sat down at dinner with the family, and I left it on. It would be crazy if I did. It would be crazy if I cut the grass with that thing on my back. It would be absolutely crazy if I had that pack and I, I went to bed at night because it hurts. It's painful. I don't want to carry it. But in reality, this is how we are with our anxiety. We, it's like we think that we can fix it or we try to fix it. We talk to different people. We talk to our friends and, and think, you know, how can we get rid of it? And the, the, often the very last thing that we do is we pray and we finally cast that or throw that on God. Man, don't carry your anxieties or your cares, as 1 Peter 5, 7 says. But throw those on Jesus. Man, he's, he's ready for it. He wants those anxieties. We do this in prayer by trusting in Jesus, by trusting the one that cares, by believing that he can take that anxiety from us. See, verse number seven, he says that he gives something. When we do that, when we, we come to him and we give him those anxieties, we cast those off on him, and we believe that he can, he can take those. Verse number seven, it says that he gives us a peace. When we bring that anxiety to God, he gives us a peace or a joy. He says that this, this joy, this peace, it's going to guard our hearts and minds, which I, I find interesting because that is the place in, in our minds. It's usually, it's always where worry starts happening. It always starts in the mind. See, the greatest joy that anyone can experience is to be at peace with God. To be at peace with God, we, we have that joy by trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to save us. You see, before we had joy in our heart, before we came to Jesus in faith, we were separated from God. As believers, we get that. We were distanced in our relationship with God. But when we come to Jesus in faith, he gives us a joy and a peace that we can't explain. There's no circumstances that should be able to take that joy away, to know this, that forever we'll be with our Savior, forever we'll get to spend in a place with other believers worshiping our Savior. Forever we have that relationship with Jesus that nothing in the world can compare to. 
man, there should, there should be nothing that takes that joy from us, no matter what anxiety. In our last couple of verses, Paul, he shares, actually, verse 8 and 9. He says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, check this out. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, notice what he says. He says, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul, he ends with something that's, it's, it's really pretty simple. He ends, verse 8 and 9, he says this. He says, hey, guys, you're not joyful? Man, think, think on what's right. Man, think on right things. Paul, in addition to everything that he's already said, he comes back and he, you know, he says, hey, pursue joy. Yes, pursue joy. Cast off that anxiety. Throw that on Jesus. He wants that. Trust in him to take care of that. And he says to really focus on what is morally and spiritually right. Focus on right things. If we're honest, and I think most of us, we get this, and and this is me included, we're spending time, especially right now with COVID-19 and lockdown and quarantine going on, I think we all probably are are focusing our efforts on really the opposite of right things and focusing on negative things. We're putting before us negative things, or, or, you know, we're constantly complaining, or we're upset at the government for this policy and not letting us do this and letting us do this, and uh, you know, we're at odds with the media because of, you know, what message you're trying to put forward. Or maybe we're, you know, just harsh towards those who disagree with us. See, Zach, he talked about this a couple weeks ago, how often we find ourselves really talking about negative things. And Paul tells us that if we're, you know, to fix our negative attitude, man, we've got to focus on right, if, right things. If we're going to be joyful in life, we have to focus on right things. So what are the right things? And better yet, how can we practically think on them? Maybe some of you guys have heard this before, all right? Maybe a coach, you played a sport, let's say football, volleyball, whatever, basketball, ran cross country, whatever. Uh, Maybe you played a sport in high school, and a coach, you did something dumb, all right, spill that out, you did something dumb, you did something you know you should not have done, and your coach, you know, he grabs your helmet or whatever, grabs your shoulders like, hey, hey, get your head in the game. Or maybe you had a parent, uh, like mine did a lot for me when I was a teenager, because um, you make some really, really bad decisions when you're teens, right? When you're a teenager, your, you know, your parent grabs you and is like, "Hey, AJ, use your head." All right, that was that was stupid. What you just did was dumb. So use your head next time. All right, don't be doing that. See what they're what they're trying to do, is basically <laughs> tell us that you know, hey, what we're doing it's it's off it doesn't line up from what we know that we should be doing we need to focus or think on what's right that's what paul he's trying to say he's trying to tell philippi he's trying to tell us to do to get our head in the game he's trying to tell us as believers we don't focus on negativity we focus on positive things we focus on things that are right Focusing on right things, it requires us to stop over-worrying about different things in life, all right? You know, it'll, you know, stop 
if, if we keep worrying about these things, again, it causes us to have a negative attitude. We need to stop worrying about when to go back to work. We need to stop being anxious and having anxiety about when life is going to be back to normal again. See, we need to focus on right things. Not look at the news for getting, just getting information. We need to spend time meditating in God's word. Man, what an awesome thing. That's full of positivity and full of truly right things. We need to focus on our relationship with Jesus. Focus on how we can use this time to really leverage the gospel to the entire world, to our family, to our friends. We need to put others' needs before our own. These are all great things to, to serve, to focus on eternity. See, Paul's just saying, hey, church, Grace Community Church, Philippi, man, think about right things. Then he, he ends by saying this. Don't just think about right things, church, but, man, live out those right things like, like you've seen in my life. In uh, verse 9, I honestly, when I, like, read this the first time, I, I just thought, man, it sounds kind of prideful of Paul to say, hey, essentially, yeah, do what I do, and, and yeah, you'll be good with God. To me, it just sounds a little bit arrogant. But we have to remember this, that as back in the first century when this church was starting and it was going on, they had very little access to Scripture. They didn't have the Bible like we have or different resources that can help us to learn more about the Word of God. The only example, check this out, the only example they had of Jesus was Paul and other Christians that were in the church. I mean, that was the only example that they had. They didn't have a Bible. See, there's a great lesson to be learned from this, and that's this. That Paul, he's telling them, and he's, you know, he's telling them to live as an example. He's telling them to live as an example because you may be the only Jesus that your coworkers see. You may be the only Jesus that your family sees. So instead of getting overly aggravated or getting overly anxious at your kids for spilling their milk on the carpet for the 15th time in quarantine, Paul's saying, no, have, ha have joy. Focus on right things. No, like, get, your, you know, get off the negative stuff. Get off of Facebook. Get off of CNN. Get off of Fox and focus on what's right. I think right now, more than ever, we're struggling with just being joyful people like we should. I mean, maybe that's something you ask yourself, just, hey, What's my joy been like lately? Like, what is, what's been my attitude through this whole entire thing? And am I living as an example of Jesus? In my family, they, they don't have a relationship with God. I do, but I'm not, maybe, maybe you're saying I don't, I'm not sharing that joy or showing joy like I should. And what a better time than now to take what Paul's saying and live it out. See, Paul gets how important our joy is as a believer. And he wants each of us to get that if anxiety is present, we cannot be filled with joy. So we have to take that anxiety and just throw it completely on Jesus. He wants to take that burden, completely throw it on Jesus, and then get our minds to focus on right things. Man, guys, we need to have joy. Now more than ever, let's truly choose to be the church by pursuing joy, taking those anxieties, throwing them on God, and getting our minds focused on the right things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
thank you, God, for all that you've done today. God, thanks for both Paul and the message that he shares about how we can uh, have joy in our life as Christians. Uh, God, by, again, pursuing really that relationship with you and, and taking all those anxieties that are, are going through our minds right now and just fully trusting you to heal those and give those over to you. And God, focusing on what's right. Help us, God, to live that out and to do that this week. God, not to, to wait for everything to get better in America or in the world, but God, to take the opportunity right now that we have and to be joyful with every person we come in contact with wherever we are to truly live out Philippians 4.4, to rejoice in the Lord always and again rejoice. Amen.